Hey, what's up, you guys? It's R.E.M. And Yodi. And you're tuned in to Dissoul Radio. That's right. Your favorite twins are back talking all things music and culture. Because two takes are better than one, but twin takes are, are even better. better. And we're back in the studio with another episode. Yes, yes. So... For those that are in the tri-state area, you guys obviously know it's been a gloomy, ugly weekend. Yeah. And usually gloomy, ugly weekends call for benching your favorite show, watching a movie you've always wanted to watch, what you've been putting off. And that's exactly what took place for us yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you guys have been on Netflix lately, you'll see that there's another movie that's been added to your menu. So the <laughs> Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody, was released – I think back in December. Mm-hmm. And if you've listened to us in the past, you know that we are big Whitney Houston fans. And to be honest, we were a little apprehensive. We didn't know for sure if this film was going to do the queen justice. Right. Because some biopics, especially music biopics, can be hit or miss. Right. right? And, you know, we're just so protective of Whitney and her story mm-hmm. that I Wasn't sure if I wanted to watch it right away. Yeah. And if you know us, you'll know that musical biopics are like our favorite genre. It is. And when it's done right, it's such a pleasure to see. Yeah. Which is also why we were like, uh, I don't know. There's some, there were some reservations on this one. But then it was on Netflix and it was staring us in the face mm-hmm. and it kept saying, you know, top 10 movies of the week. It was just begging us. We even had a conversation. We're like, should we watch it? Should like we, we actually it? talked about it. Like we're FaceTime, FaceTime we're like, Ariam, I see it on the menu. I don't know <laughs> if I should click it. And she had the same thought. And I think both of us were trying to have the other's reassurance that it was okay <laughs> to watch it. And then once we had that conversation, we ended up watching it. So we're here to talk about it. Yes. And we were actually pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not my favorite movie of all time, but I was more surprised and pleasantly happy with the things that I wasn't sure about, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so let's start off with the casting, right? Naomi Aki plays Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. and she's a British actress. And so I wasn't sure if she would be the number one pick for me but after I saw her play Whitney I was actually very impressed she did a really great job for so many reasons I think the main thing that got me is of course the music is covered because you hear a lot of Whitney's original recordings so you don't have to worry about how the music will sound Mm -hmm. I think for me it's uh, how Naomi was able to execute Whitney's speaking voice mm-hmm. and her mannerisms because mm-hmm. Whitney's voice is so unique. She has this, like texture to her voice. Some and inflections too that yeah. really make, like really allowed her personality to shine. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like Naomi did that. And I think she sounded really like Whitney's speaking voice. I was really impressed by that. And she just nailed like her... Her energy. There's a lot of famous interviews done by Whitney where you see her true personality mm-hmm. come out. You know her her attitude. <laughs> uh, you know you never had to wonder what Whitney was thinking, right? Because she was very direct, and I think Naomi really embodied that energy of Whitney, which I was really surprised about. Yeah, honestly. Um, so she did a really good job. Let's take a moment to acknowledge Stanley Tucci's performance as Clive Davis. 
He did that. Yeah. The thing about Stanley Tucci, though, like he always eats whenever he does play in any role. I mean, from Devil Wears Prada to Easy A. But like to see him actually play Clive Davis was really that made interesting. Because I couldn't, I couldn't Clive. separate the two, to be honest with you. I felt like he was Clive Davis. Yeah. From his, you know, mannerisms, from his like cadence and how he spoke and yeah. his like his inflections as well. Like I felt like I was watching Clive Davis and I felt like that was a perfect casting yeah. for that role. I think so too. I think they casted her mother, Sissy Houston, mm -hmm. really well. Um, and another thing that I liked about this film was I think they nailed the reenactment of different performances and then her music videos. I think, you know, performances like her at the Super Bowl performing the national anthem, that's mm -hmm. probably one of the most iconic renditions of the national anthem. And mm -hmm. they nailed the outfits, nailed the hair to the T. Mm -hmm. Naomi was Whitney in those scenes. Mm -hmm. And of course, the music videos for mm -hmm. How Will I Know and It's Not Right, But It's Okay. That, if you don't know us, that is our song. Period. Our song. And the video is just... Whitney looks beautiful, mm -hmm. beautiful in that music video. And I'm just glad that they had nailed it in the movie. And yeah, I was just really impressed by the details. Yeah, specifically with the costume design. I think costume design alone really helps an actor tap into a character, you know, especially when it comes to a biopic. Um, and I feel like they did their due diligence with a lot of the scenes that they were recreating, like as Ari mentioned. Um, even when they recreated the 15th anniversary of Arista Records, when she performed I Want to Dance with Somebody. Like, that like gold and black mm -hmm, the jacket. The gold and black jacket, the wig, that specific wig, yeah. um, you know, the the leggings, the jewelry. And then, of course, frame for frame. I mean, they really recreated that live performance. And I think it just goes to show like how important it is for a costume department to do to the, their due diligence when they are doing a biopic. And I feel like they they showed up. Yeah. And I felt like that helped Naomi really channel Whitney. Yeah. Um, I think our major critique about the film, though, is that I think the tempo is super swift. They go through different moments fairly quickly, and it's very noticeable. Like, yeah. you feel like you didn't even get to digest a moment in mm -hmm. in Whitney's life. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think it did a disservice because she's just had so many great moments. And yeah. I think they just kind of glazed through it. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a lot to cover. Like, yeah. this is decades of someone's robust career mm -hmm. crammed into two hours. Mm -hmm. But what I have would have rather have liked was that, okay, let's focus in on these moments and really just commit to the storytelling of different aspects rather than just kind of sprinkling a little bit here, a little yeah. bit there. Because as a viewer, it just felt very swift. Yeah. It was hard. It was a little hard to follow. And, you know, they, like Ariam said, they did pepper in some of those, you know, one-liners that speak to a phase that had, had taken place, but they should have I think they should have dove in a little bit more into the different phases of her career. Like, you know, when she, they they talk a little bit about the critique that she was facing from Black consumers of her music not sounding Black enough when she first came out. And so her working with Babyface and LA, like, helped reframe her sound. And that's what led to, like, the I'm Your Baby Tonight era. And mm -hmm. I felt like they could have dove in a little bit more around that partnership. In fact, they never even show 
her with mm-hmm. L.A. Reed and Babyface. Yeah, and, because they mention it in passing. But they never show them. But they never show them. They never show that partnership and how that helped shift her sound and then open up a new audience for her. And I felt like, obviously, that was the start of her and Babyface's relationship throughout the, the remainder of her career. And it was so, so significant. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. they, or if they didn't want to feature them, feature more songs from that collaboration mm-hmm. because there's just too many to pick from yeah. for them to not highlight that in yeah. a movie. It's so just I a feel robbery, like, to be honest. Yeah. And the same thing where, like, you know, one of Whitney's dad's, I guess, associates, like, in passing, tells her, oh, yeah, my daughter loved Cinderella. Like, they Mm-mm. they talk about her acting career in the film. They definitely mention The Bodyguard because, obviously, that was a huge moment for her, both in her film career and her music career with I Will Always Love You. But she also explored so many other chapters of her acting career. You know, when we think about Cinderella, when we think about Waiting to Excel, when we think about The Preacher's Wife, you know, like, there was so much that she had yeah. contributed to in that medium I felt like they could have tapped a little bit more. But again, it is a movie, like Ariam said, it's only two hours and it's hard to to pack it all in. But what I think could have been something to explore is having this be almost like a series, like a limited series. Yes. Where they get to really focus in on like the different chapters of her career. Because as Ariam mentioned, her career and her life is so robust. She's done so, so much. much. And she experienced a lot in her life. And I just feel like it is very difficult. It's a difficult task for the writers and the editors to even think about how to get it all in. Um, But I think a series could have been a cool opportunity to break it down a little bit more. HBO limited series about Mm -hmm. her life. And they could have even broke it up into maybe two seasons, you know, just breaking out the the beginning of her career Mm -hmm. and then – the second half for a second season. I yeah. think that would have given them the leg room yeah. to really dive deep and and really tell her story through and through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those were our thoughts. And but it was overall, it was a pleasant surprise. Like yeah. I I feel like I felt like I was more impressed I was more than impressed. disappointed. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think everyone else definitely pulled their weight to to contribute to this. So shout out to them. Yeah. Shout out to Naomi. She you did, did that. that. You did that. But then it made us think, like, what makes a good biopic and what makes a good musical biopic, right? And there are key elements that <laughs> <laughs> you need for a successful storytelling. And I think in our in our humble opinion, in our humble opinion, <laughs> from the viewer's perspective, I think one of the elements are casting. That's a given. You know, you want to mm-hmm. make sure that the film is well casted. And that the actor themselves is as committed as we are as fans of the person that they are paying homage to, right? Mm -hmm. You know, doing the research, studying this musician or artist that they are portraying, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, historical accuracy. Right. You know, movies like to do the movie magic where they add a little sauce to certain things. And it makes you wonder, because this is a biopic… Did that really happen? And it makes you want to fact check. And it's always so exciting when you find out that something that's so cool or interesting that you may have not known about the artist is actually true in the film. Because it's also a learning experience too. Yeah. I think, And this is the age of the internet. 
So we're going to do our research. You know, if you don't get the facts right, like you will be called out. Yeah. And it's, it also, I think, takes away and it diminishes the effort of the entire project if you, like you said, Ariam, like add too much movie magic to tell a story. Um, because if you are basing it off of an actual human being whose life was very public, it's it's just best for yeah. you to do your due diligence and tell the accurate facts. Um, yeah. But and, yeah. And then also uh, just nailing the details and reenactments of certain events, making sure that you if you're recreating a moment and everything feels like you're watching a moment that happened maybe in the 90s or the 80s mm-hmm. for the first time and and feeling like you're actually there i think that makes a biopic really strong and then also you want to make sure that you get the approval from the estate or for the artists themselves yeah. i think we don't really talk about it enough. I think movie studios are so impressed by these artists' lives that we need to also realize that we need to get permission. We need the cosign. Yeah. Because if you don't have the cosign, it doesn't feel right. Right. And I know? think if you, like you said, I feel like the public and studios do feel entitled to tell these stories with or without the permission of the subject. And when it's rooted in, I, when it's rooted in that entitlement and it, there's no approval, there's no, you know, um, cosign, like you said, it, I think that also like plays into the energy of the process of making that movie. Like, I feel like when you're watching it, for me, if I find out that the subject did not approve or the family of the subject did not approve of this, I'm going to feel some type of way. I'm going to yeah. feel like, I'm going to feel guilty. I'm gonna like, feel- why am I supporting <laughs> this if yeah. the family doesn't even feel good about this? Yeah. And Honestly, if you don't have that collaboration, it does, you know, there's going to be some gaps. Definitely. And it takes away from the experience. And the authenticity of the project. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And then a lot of the times for the musical biopics, if you don't get the rights to the music, you end up having to re-record a lot of these classic songs. And they're almost like covers. And it feels like a parody. You know, work with the family. I don't think that's something hard to do at all. Yeah. But this led us to come up with our own list of music biopics that we love. I think they nail some of those elements that we were talking about earlier. So what's first on the list, Ariam? So first on the list is very obvious. Um, You know, this film really... It was it was one of our favorite films growing up. We are talking about Selena. Yeah. This needs to be top of the list. I think Selena is arguably one of the best music biopics. Yep. As a child, <laughs> I could not differentiate Selena from Jennifer Lopez. The casting was so good. Yeah. They were the same person for, for many years in my head. Like, I mean, I thought they were literally the same person because Selena and JLo looked so similar mm-hmm. and paired with, of course, like the costume design, the makeup, mm-hmm. the hair. But I think JLo really did a great job doing her research. Mm-hmm. I mean, she really dove into this project. She dedicated herself to know who Selena was. Mm-hmm. You know, she went to the family's home in Texas and really spent a lot of quality time getting to know who Selena was mm-hmm. from her sister, from her brother, her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, they were heavily involved in this project as well. And that's why I think 
it was, it felt so real and authentic. Yeah. The family's approval alone just made it even more special. It helped that J-Lo was a dancer. Yeah. It helped that she was a dancer because she knew how to utilize her body in a way to bring the character to life. I mean, she studied her performances. She studied her iconic dance moves, the way she would, her stage presence alone, like accurately mimicked Selena's. I felt like that was, you were watching that moment in real time. And that's all you could really ask for in a biopic. Selena's life was robbed from her. She was only 23 when she passed away. Mm -hmm. Yet that film allowed the (laughs) audience to enjoy her music forever. Mm -hmm. And it gave new fans for Selena. I feel like it definitely was a great way to kind of encapsulate her impact and her legacy and um it's just a great way to pay homage to everything that she's done within her her short life so you can't tell me nothing that we have no notes when it comes to selena and i think a lot of you agree as well there are no notes (laughs) to the selena movie period and another film that i feel similarly about is the ray charles movie yeah let's go back to 2004 jamie fox puts on the performance of a lifetime in his role as Ray Charles in the movie Ray. When I tell you, when we we were talking about embodying a character, a human being, that whole film is a masterclass at paying homage to a human legend, like an actual person. From his recreation of his voice, not just singing, but speaking voice, his mannerisms, his body language, You know, the way he would recreate his singing voice. Now, we already know that Jamie Foxx is known for his impressions. But I think there's a huge difference between an impression and then paying homage to a person. Yeah. And I feel like he he walked that delicate line in this movie. There were so many reasons why this was amazing. But he got the ultimate approval by Ray Charles himself before he passed. Yeah. And they worked very closely together. Yeah. And allowed- There's footage of them mm-hmm. together early on. They really bonded mm-hmm. before uh, Ray passed away. Mm-hmm. And I think just having those moments, I'm sure, gave Jamie Foxx that reassurance that he was right for the role. Yeah. To, to tell his story. So that was like he got his blessing in that way. When Jamie would do interviews about it, even to this day, he talks about it. His commitment to the character was very, very intense. I mean, he even had days where he was filming where he glued his eyes shut so he can really deeply understand the perspective of being blind in this world. Yeah. And not just being blind, but being a blind musician and having to deeply connect with music in a way that Ray had to. When I heard that, I was like, if that isn't dedication... I don't know what is. Yeah. I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, obviously, there was an amazing stellar cast. Carrie Washington. Regina King. Yep. Like, everyone was amazing. The costume design, like like any film. You were in You were that in that time. world. The set yeah. design, that dedication, that attention to detail. I mean, yeah. we were able to follow him from childhood. Yeah. All the way through adulthood and the different phases. Um, and they talked about, you know, difficult topics about his you know, drug addiction and all of that. And it was how he and how Ray became blind. He wasn't born blind. Mm -hmm. He became blind as a child. Mm -hmm. And I think they depicted that very artistically. Yeah. And beautifully, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, it was a painful thing for any person to go through. But a child, Mm -hmm. you know, to lose their sight is painful. Yeah. And I think they did a 
great job depicting that in the film. Yeah, they I always remember really delicately. Yeah, you know, it just made sense that he won the Oscar for Yo. best male lead. I mean, yes. I mean, yeah. So Ray is definitely a ten. A it's 10 up in there. Our books as well. We have to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody for a plethora of reasons. I think. Just understanding the task at hand alone was super important because this was an opportunity to talk about Queen, the band as a whole. Mm -hmm. You know, they really talked about their story from where they started. They talked about their transition from not being signed to being signed and exploring their sound and being experimental while also delicately telling Freddie Mercury's story. Voice will always be synonymous with with the band, Queen. yeah. But then it also talked about how he was navigating identity and nav the fact yeah. that he was South Asian, you know, an immigrant and struggling with that, and then also exploring his sexuality. But he had such a massive gift. Yeah. I mean, his vocal range was insane. His performance was like his his stage presence was always iconic, and so. Not only were they telling those two elements of their, their story, but then they had to make sure that they had the right casting. And Rami Malik was, I mean, there's no one else that could have played him. I there's no one else, else that could have played him. It was the perfect casting. Mm -hmm. Spot on. I mean, he, he did a great job. He did that. What he did was that. I mean, there were scenes where you put Rami and Freddie side by side. You can't even tell the difference. I know. And the cool thing about this, if you remember Ariam's criteria she listed earlier, Brian May and Roger Taylor, who are members of Queen, served as consultants on the film. That made a huge difference. I think having their involvement and their commitment to the movie is probably what made the film thrive. Yes. They probably offered insights that you can't just find on the internet or, you know, throughout Do, you know documents online like they probably gave so many fun facts mm -hmm. that were used in the film i mean no one's going to know the story more than the people that were there exactly exactly and i feel like that probably helped rami when it came to learning more about freddie mercury yeah. and their relationship dynamic and the nuances of who he was and i feel like having that collaboration is what really helped the movie Thrive, um, I heard that, although they, we, we hear Rami's vocals a little bit, but there was another singer that they brought on that sounded very similar yeah. to Freddie to help recreate some of the performances. And it was done, I think, done really Very, seamlessly. very seamlessly. You like, couldn't even tell the difference. I couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. I didn't know that they actually brought on another singer until yeah. I saw some behind-the-scenes footage. So that says a lot about the, you know, effort that they put into recreating that I especially also a voice that's so unique like Freddie so so unique yeah. and um Rami worked with a movement coach because with a lot of people people often talk about so many things about Freddie Mercury but the way he moved on stage was so unique and that was a huge part of his stage identity and so you can tell how closely Rami studied him And the the work of the movement coach really helped yeah. all that come to life. Right. I mean, if you think about the very end of the movie where they pay homage to their live aid concert, which is again side by side. If you play the actual footage of that concert mm -hmm. with the actual footage from the movie, 
I need to not be able to tell the difference. Right. That's how you know that the film is doing these major moments mm-hmm. service because it's essentially it's history yeah. and we are just retelling it. Our last biopic that we must talk about is What's Love Got to Do With It? Oof. Yeah, we can't have this conversation and not talk about this. I mean, I mean this is another one where I felt like Angela, Angela, are you Tina? Like, yeah, I could not differentiate these two for the longest because Angela embodied Tina Turner. And this film stemmed from Tina Turner's autobiography, I, Tina. So it's a tough story to tell. Yeah. You know, Tina had a very difficult life, but she prevailed and What I loved was that Tina worked closely with Angela. Angela was very dedicated to the role, Mm -hmm. and she studied Tina. There's footage of Tina Turner showing Angela how to move, how to dance. Mm -hmm. You know, Tina's choreography is very signature, Mm -hmm. and she really embodied her on stage and in the film. Yeah. And even the way that Tina sings. You know, you can see Angela really studied how Tina forms her mouth. Yeah. How her lips, like, Mm -hmm. they move and it's such a grand smile. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Angela did such, such a good job. Yeah. Such a good job. And then all of the original music is Tina. So you don't have to worry about it Mm -hmm. sounding off. It sounds exactly like Tina Turner. Um, The outfits, Mm -hmm. the hair, the evolution of Tina's sound, I think, was captured throughout the film. Mm-hmm. You know, in addition to the the life, the difficult life that Tina had. Mm-hmm. But I think Angela just did such a good job. I she, think the film was well executed. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorite movies. It is. It is. And I feel like Angela walked so Jamie and J-Lo could run. I feel like she really did lay the blueprint for how to do a really good musical biopic. Yeah. Because of all the things you just said. We got to see her story come to life. And yeah, that's all we're saying, guys. Like all of these things, all these elements that we're mentioning, I think really make a biopic worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we just really enjoy, we enjoy music and we enjoy these icons and we just love when a film just nails it. Yeah. Yeah, that that's our list, but there's so many biopics that are out there. And we'd love to hear from you. Comment below what you think is a really great biopic. We'd love to know. So that wraps up today's episode. If you like what you heard, you can keep up with us on our socials at Mm D-E-U-X-S-O-L. You can also watch us on YouTube. You can listen to us where you hear podcasts on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you can hear it, we'll We'll be be on it. it. And until next time, guys, peace. peace.